Hey, my name is Anthony O'Connell. I'm a man with a high voice and a podcast. We do a feast or pass, rate it one to feast, great dining experiences, and more. My buddy Rudy Martinez, winner of the Food Network's Halloween Baking Championship, we talk about who has better food, Southern California or New York City. Rudy feels comfortable dining alone, even if the food is a spectacle, like Tableside Bananas Foster. Rudy declined to be on Food Network the first time, but thankfully a woman he met online peer pressured him into accepting because he ended up winning. He said there was very good craft services on set. Hanging out and making connections with the other Food Network contestants was super fun. We talk about the cooking show, different archetypes, being servers in Times Square, New York City, and more. Let's start with Hot Pockets, feast or pass. I would definitely feast, but I'm going to admit something. I I don't think I've ever had one. Really? Now, how about the mini Hot Pocket, which is a pizza roll? Have you had a pizza roll? I probably, pro- I was probably drunk, but yes, I probably have had a pizza roll in my mouth. Are you against all frozen food? Like how about, I wasn't going to ask this, but a frozen burrito, would you eat a frozen burrito? Absolutely. So big feast on a frozen burrito. I have feasted on a frozen burrito before. Yeah, why not? Keeping it chill. 7-Eleven, just any food item from 7-Eleven, feast or pass? Uh, feast? Well, food? Like, like stuff that they cook? Yeah, like the taquitos or the hot dogs or whatever. That's, that's no, that's some shady shit. I don't know who's cooking that. I don't know how long it's been rolling on that middle rack. No, I'm going to pass. Yeah, when I lived in New York, this one dude, I swear, he was like a regular customer there. But every time I saw him, he was getting the chicken wings from 7-Eleven. And I'm like, this guy's a maniac. He's unhinged. Don't make eye contact. I'm not going to lie. The I mean, like you can get a whole pizza for like $4. That has crossed my mind, but still pass. Fair enough, my friend. And so the next thing is pretty similar, but we do one to feast. It's kind of like one to five, but we say feast for branding purposes. White Castle, one to feast. Feast is five? Yeah. Uh, Zero. Ooh. Even if you're stoned and or drunk, it's still going to be a zero? Listen, that was not like a West Coast thing. I don't even think we had the frozen ones growing up. So when I got to New York, I could not wait to try White Castle. And um, a friend and I were in like Long Island City. There's one right off of, you know, like that hooker row there. And um, so we went and tried them and it was awful. The color, I think the color of the meat to me was the least appealing thing about it. Listen, I'd be willing to give it another chance, but I'll give it a one. I like White Castle, but the problem is it like permeates through your skin the next day. Like you sweat it out and you fart it out and you're just, at least me personally, I'm just a mess the next day. But in the moment when I'm eating it, I'm like, this is heaven. But then the next day it's a nightmare. How about ranch dressing? One to feast. I'll eat it. So two. Fair enough. You're not violently opposed to it like some people? No, I don't care what people put it on. I don't care if you put it on your pizza, your fries, like what, what, whatever, if you enjoy that. I just don't think I have much experience with ranch. So something that you probably have more experience with because you are such a great, excellent baker. What about like a, a grocery store baked good? Like, not like a little Debbie brand, but like this, the grocery store makes it one to feast. Oh, a feast. Okay. I thought maybe you might be too bougie. And I thought maybe you might say like two or three on that one. No, because it, I mean, it kind of reminds me of my grand, I mean, my grandparents, you know, nobody they didn't bake. They bought all that stuff like van, Vandy camps and that kind of stuff. There was always like coffee cake around. So I'm going to say feast. So being that you you have West Coast experience and New York City experience, well, who has the better food scene in your opinion, Southern California or New York City? It depends. I mean, def- where I grew up in Orange County in the 70s and 80s, that was not, that was not where the food scene was at all. Um, you know, parts of San Diego are, are great. San Francisco, um, definitely, you know, LA. The thing that I 
have enjoyed discovering out here, which I didn't know as a kid, is like the pockets of uh, areas where there's ethnic food, you know, because I just didn't, I didn't get that here. So I still say New York is going to be, you know, I mean, it's, it's the best, you know, yeah. it's the best, you know, there's other places that have great this or great that, but as a whole, you're not going to top New York City for food. I agree. Fight me on that, fight me on that, man, <laughs> anyone. It's just, it's so dense. Like, I feel like, like you mentioned ethnic food, like literally every ethnicity's food is on every block pretty much. Like it's just so dense and the volume of food is truly insane in New York City. I love it. Totally. And I mean, I don't know, like I never had growing up, I mean, I grew up in the suburbs, which I'm assuming that's where you are. Yeah. The options aren't, aren't varied. So there were things I had never, like I'd never tried Indian food until I moved to New York City. I'd never had Ethiopian or you know, some other, I never had sushi until I went to Florida. <laughs> uh, that's one thing I miss about living in New York City is I haven't had sushi since I've been in Ohio. Cause I'm kind of like, I'm just like, it's the Midwest. Like it just seems inappropriate to have sushi here in Ohio. Totally. Um, so Rudy, I know that you can, you can bake like a mofo. Would you rather have a fancy baked good or just like a more chill, easy, approachable baked good? If I don't have to make it the fancy one, maybe, but I'm still the same with food or baked stuff. I'm still, I'm going to be more wowed by like something simple, like a, a ripe piece of fruit is going to do more for me than like a huge meal at some fancy restaurant. You know, I think it's just, yeah, I'm, I'm going off of your question, but no, no, it's okay. I think I'd prefer to have something a little more simple because if you have five ingredients and they're all quality, it's going to be just as good as something that's, you know, taken four hours to create. Absolutely. And I have an unpopular food opinion with a fancy dessert, macarons or macarons, however you pronounce it, not worth the money in my opinion. I know it's hard to make and it's very challenging, but honestly, I'd rather have like a store-bought cookie, like just get out of here with this madness. I agree with you on the on the on the price of it. And yeah, there are pain in the ass to make. I've made them, I think, one time. But it's not, I mean, it's not surgery. And it's also you're not it's not taking any longer than it's gonna take to make a cake or a pie. So I call bullshit on that. Really? Cause I, I do like that you can make different flavors out of the same, basically the same concept. That's cool. Cause the reason I thought it was because actually there, I forget the name of the place, but there's a place in my neighborhood in New York. And I asked the lady, I was like, look, I don't want to sound cheap, but why are these so expensive? And she was like, well, it takes forever to make. And I just took that at face value. And I was like, oh, I guess it takes forever to make. Yeah, but the time that it takes is like waiting time. Oh, I just thought she was like, cause it, isn't it like lots of folding or something? I don't know. <laughs> Not really. I mean, they have to rest. They have to rest, but they're just sitting there. You could do something else while you're doing that. The fucking New York Times crossword puzzle. I don't know, do your nails back <laughs> in your apartment. Like, I don't know. You're not actually, you're not actively doing anything. You're waiting for something to, you know, go through its chemical process. Okay. Well, I might have to be riffraff the next time I see an overpriced macaron and say, you were just chilling being, you were playing on Facebook and now I'm paying $30 for six cookies. I know it's not worth it. Do you have Speaking any? Of which, do oh, yeah. you have a favorite cookie? Can I ask you a question? Yeah, of course. Since I've been in arguments about this, do you have a favorite cookie in New York City? You mean like a, like a cookie place? Yes. I love a black and white cookie. And mm -hmm. um, there was a place on like 82nd and 1st, I think it was called Glazer's Bake Shop. And their black and white was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. But I also love like a, just a chocolate chip cookie with some sea salt, but from anywhere. Mm -hmm. Like if it's, if it's made in house, it's it with chocolate chip cookie, sea salt. That's my favorite. Okay. I don't know if that answered your question. No, it did. <laughs> what about you? Do you have a favorite place? Well, I used to have a favorite cookie in the, a favorite like baked good period, um, which was the uh, lime, uh, lime 
cornmeal cookie from Amy's Bread. It was sort of crispy on the outside. It had a soft center. It was not sweet. It had lots of fresh lime zest. It was just a simple thing. And they, they took it off the menu, I think, when I was like one of the times I was away from the city. So I don't know. I just have, I shouldn't, there was a, a particularly popular cookie place in the city that I just think is overrated. Was it called Chip or Levain or one of those like where the thick cookie? It might rhyme with Elaine. <laughs> <laughs> those cookies are cool, man. They're fine. I don't know. I get it. They're, they are definitely overrated in my opinion. Yeah. Do you have an unpopular food opinion, Rudy? I'm sure you do. You got tons of opinions. Unpopular? God, who, who can say? I'm sure I do. I think the fact that you like a lime cornmeal cookie is a bad sign. That's I think you're the only one that liked it. <laughs> and that's why when you left. That's why they stopped making it. <laughs> okay, that's it. I'll, I'll claim that. I don't care. I'll go down with the ship. Hey, just wanted to say thank you so much for listening so far. If you're liking it, please subscribe. Tell a friend. If you're loving it, please give us a five-star review. All right. So I guess we'll get into it here. When you go out to eat, what mm-hmm. do you think makes a great dining experience? The, the company... I think to start off with, although, I mean, I've had some fantastic meals by myself. Um, yeah, I love doing that. You know, I, st- I love going out in a city and still having sort of like a field trip, pretending I'm a tourist, you know, I'll take a book and I'll go someplace new and try some food. The company, I think, and when I was thinking about this question, I hate to put the onus on the server, but I think what makes a great, uh, you know, dining experience is information. Um, information about the food. Uh, I hate when they don't know anything about the food. Um, it's like if I were to go buy a car yeah. and you go to the car lot and there's like, yeah, I don't know how that one drives. Um, you know, we all know food, but I want, I'm there to know about that food. Um, so information, company, and also I think openness. I don't enjoy going out to eat anywhere, whether it's, you know, eating food off of a counter or sitting in a, in a nice restaurant with someone who isn't open to the experience and open to trying things. Yeah. So like having somebody that's, that's, that's open, like, I, I don't want to take a picky eater to a restaurant. Yeah. I think those are like the three major things that sort of, can, I mean, you know, there's all kinds of other things, but you know, the company that you have information about the food and then being open to what they're, you know, kind of put in front of you. Dude, I'm with you, man. And I, I feel like information is so important. And also the way the server delivers it. Like, I don't expect them to put on a show, but like if someone were to tell me the chicken, lemon, butter, spinach, whatever, but they just say it very droll and for sure, uh, whatever. I'm like, oh, I could take it or leave it. But if they're excited about the food and they have enthusiasm, I kind of thrive on that enthusiasm. And then I feel like they have passion behind their food and I feel like it increases my enjoyment of it. So I'm, I'm with you with the knowledge for sure. Totally. I love it when somebody sells me on something that I would never have had. You know, I look at the menu every time I go in a restaurant, but I also, one of my first questions is like, what do you like? Now, when you, I know you's company was one of your favorite things, but you also like to eat alone. When you eat alone, do you eat at the bar or are you man enough to just sit at a table solo? I will do both. I actually, even when I'm with someone, I love eating at the bar. I think that's something that not everyone knows about. Um, I just love that. I love that the bartender's there, that you don't have to look for them, but you also don't have to engage them as much as you do a server. You know, once they set sort of your place in front of you, you're pretty much on your own. And they've usually, I find that bartenders usually have have had the food more so than servers. Um, But I'll do both. I remember one time, 
I was in New Orleans years ago and I was, a friend was supposed to meet me, but he, could, he couldn't get the time off work. So I was there by myself, not the city you want to be in by yourself. But I had one of those like tourist dining experiences at the Court of Two Sisters. And I did the whole shebang, man. I, I got dressed up. I sat outside. There was like a bunch of old ladies around me um, in the garden. And I did the whole shebang. I had like a sherry before and ordered the um, table side bananas foster. Oh my gosh. And I mean, they came out with a cart and did it. And there's like me, this clown, just like sitting by himself, getting this entire show put on in front of him. So yeah, I have no, I have no qualms. I'm, I have, I'm man enough to sit by myself at a table. I think that's really incredible. I love how you're just like, so like secure in yourself. Like I used to be very insecure and nervous about dining alone. But then when mm -hmm. I started Upper Feast, I would be invited to restaurants a lot and Sometimes I just couldn't get anyone to come with me. So I would just have to go by myself. So now I'm used to it. I can eat alone anywhere. But I think if there was any kind of show, like a Foster's table side, I don't know if I could do that. I think I would be too anxious. <laughs> I just took, I like everyone was, and everyone was staring. And so I would just wave. I'd ask, you know, I asked a couple of people if they wanted some. Like, I just don't, you know, I don't give a fuck, man. You really don't. I love it. <laughs> I mean, if, they're, if they have, have nothing better to do at the restaurant than watch me eat, then, you know. Give That's a show. A really good point. Like if you're on a date with someone and you're looking at some guy by himself, like maybe your date's boring or you're not interested, like mind your business. Totally. Or like I said, give them a show. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> um, now, what about the other end of the spectrum? What What do you think makes a horrible dining experience? And I would love an example of one of your bad dining experiences. I think the worst, uh, you know, I was trying to think of that and I couldn't think of too many, which I think is, is, a, is a good sign. You know, there's been places where... Uh, the food wasn't representative of what they were trying to sell. I think that's always a disappointment. I don't like going to a restaurant that doesn't know what it is or who it is, like not having that, an identity. Mm -hmm. But I think, honestly, I, I think the worst, ex the worst, just I remember feeling like that was a terrible meal, was at an Applebee's in um, Joshua, in Joshua Tree, which is where my mom lives. But there's no, I mean, there's not, this was years ago. There's not, there's not a lot of restaurants, you know, Applebee's would be like the place you'd go for graduation or like <laughs> eating good in the neighborhood. Against them. It just, that particular, I think I ordered a salad and it was drowned in dressing. And I just remember thinking, I don't ever want to eat that again. Yeah, that's fair. Applebee I would rather eat a frozen dinner at my buddy's apartment than have Applebee's. For me, what it, what makes a bad dining experience for me is, uh, when the server can't be bothered, not that I'm not like a male Karen, but when, like, for example, like a lot of places in Brooklyn, for example, like Williamsburg specifically, or maybe even Bushwick to a certain extent, but mm -hmm. certain neighborhoods in Brooklyn where they're just too cool for school and you're bothering them with any request and they just are so disinterested and dispassionate. I hate that. And yeah. I like to booze it up with my friends. And if the server doesn't come around to, to help us, one time I actually, um, I was on a date and uh, brag alert, and um, the server never got our drinks. They were sitting at the bar. So I just ran my own drinks. I went to the, to the bar and just grabbed my drinks and took them to the table. Yeah, I hate, I, I agree with you. I hate putting it on the server, but I mean, that's what you're there for. Mm -hmm. And I always feel like, I mean, listen, a lot of people have done it. We've all hated our jobs at various points of our career. But if you don't like doing it, then don't do it. Um, right. That's my feeling about waiting tables or serving because there's a million other ways to make a living, you know, do it because you want, you know, you want 
to get people excited about food. It's like, what, what else are you there for? <laughs> exactly. Do you have any dreams or have you had dreams in the past of opening up your own bake shop? Because you're very talented. I love your baked goods and people need to have it. You know, the thing about that, um, like, I, like I said earlier, I mean, I wanted, I, I prefer cooking. I wanted to be a chef. I still, I love cooking. I've during this global pandemic, if that's what we're calling it, I've sort of rediscovered because I have people to cook for. You know, it's not just me in my apartment. I've got my sister, the kids, my brother-in-law. But as far as baking, um, what was the question? <laughs> Would you ever consider opening up your own oh, bake shop? You know, I've been approached a couple of times. It's, I think it's hard work. That's not really my dream. I know a lot of people say, you know, uh, wouldn't you love doing that? I'd love, I think I'd love working in one. I don't want to run it myself. I don't want the headache. I don't want the, you know, paperwork, ordering things, numbers. That's just not where my mind works. So no, it's not my dream to open my own place. To, to just be able to do stuff, to bake for people and have that be my, my living. Yes, I would love, I would love that. But I haven't quite figured out how to make that possible. You know, there's some places in Columbus, I'm sure this could work in California, or maybe even people currently do it in California, but they're just delivery only. They don't have a brick and mortar. They just do it all through Instagram and they, they get their orders and then they sell out instantly. And that could be an option totally. maybe. Yeah, there's, I was at a friend's house and she said, you know, there's a place in our city and it's only, they only deliver to that city here in Southern California um, that does cookies. Half hour, within a half hour, you have your cookies at your door. Um, and they partnered up with a ice cream shop to also bring ice cream and it was fun you know we were all having dinner somebody showed up with dessert you know it was it was it definitely was you know a, a luxury item but it wasn't out of price um and so yeah there's there's that definitely appeals to me because you know it's a finite thing you've you've made something for the day and you know that's what you get yeah and I feel like with your with your food network credit, I feel like that gives you a lot of clout. And I think customers would respect that. Like you're not just some schmo off the street. You got that sweet, sweet TV credit. Does it though? I mean, <laughs> the funny thing is that I don't I never realized how many people watch that kind of stuff because I didn't watch it before, I guess. I mean, I, I don't feel that way, but I, I can see, you know, <laughs> that that might hold some cachet with somebody. I feel like you're so well, like still just a schmo off of the street that went on a TV show and happened to win. That's true. That's one way of looking at it. You're just very artsy and humble. Well, I, mean, I was coming back to work. I was waiting goddamn tables, <laughs> going out to film a show, like begging to get time off work and get my ships covered. So glamorous. And then going back out and doing it again. You know, it didn't, it didn't change anything. So being that you're so like artsy and pure and like chill, I think that's a fair thing to say. All those things are fair. How did you end up getting on Food Network? Because you don't seem like the kind of person who would pursue that and actively seek that out. I did not pursue that or actively seek that out. You know, a couple of years um, before, I taped two shows in 2015. So a couple of years before that, I think I had been approached via email or something um, to do Cupcake Wars. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't know how that worked. I just thought, how am I going to be able to bake like 500 cupcakes in two hours? And I don't have anybody that I work with. I do this shit in my kitchen. And how I, you know, how am I going to remember like recipes? Like, I just didn't know how those kind of competition things work. But we kind of got a little bit along in the process because it was also a free trip to LA, but I didn't do it. And then the second thing that happened was um, a woman I had met online and then I met her once uh, in New York. 
she was going on one of those and asked me to be her, um, like her backup or like her assistant in the kitchen, her sous chef or whatever. And I did that and had a good time. The same time I was out in LA, somebody else approached me. Um, this girl, her name's Sage, she's from Jersey. She's just this like tiny bundle of energy. Um, and she didn't give up. Like she really had to kind of twist my arm. I remember we were doing like a green screen thing up in LA and I'm talking about baking and shit for, you know, ever. And at the very end of it, she's like, okay, with all of, all of the energy that you have, look into the camera and tell us why America is going to fall in love with you. You might know the story. And I looked and I was like, frankly, I don't think they are, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and her head pops out from behind the camera. She's like, what are you doing? And I said, I'm being honest, you know, so I, I give her credit for, you know, it, it was a life changing experience in the way of it's a unique thing. Not everybody gets to do that. Um, you know, disregard the money part. So I'm glad she aggressively pursued me because I had no interest in, in being on television. Is that, is that why you denied it the first time? Like what made you not do it the first time around? I think it was like the logistics of it and just not like, I, I couldn't, I couldn't wrap my mind around the fact that they just fly you in and they, you can't prepare at all. Really, you cannot prepare. They just throw you in there. And I think that's part of the appeal because when you do that, it makes for good television. You know, somebody's gonna fuck up. They're gonna drop something or spill something or burn something. And without that sort of innate, you know, drama in quotations, uh, <laughs> who would watch? Yeah. You know, somebody <laughs> like stirring a pot. <laughs> it's just not, you know, the per I think the person on the other end wants to go, oh, I would have done, I would have done better, or I could have done this. Or I think they like to think of what they would do in that situation. And right. the reality is you don't know unless you're in that situation and you do screw up, but you know, it's almost like, it's like ad lemming. It's like, you know, being, being upstage while you're, while you're doing comedy and have yeah. somebody fucking yell something out, you know, <laughs> it's like, you've got to just be on top of your game to keep thinking and making choices. So when you decided to do it, did you feel an immense amount of pressure and how did you handle that? You know, it all happened so quick. I, I mean, I think four days before I flew out, I still wasn't sure I was gonna do it. Um, and I definitely pre prepared for what I thought it might be, but then it was nothing like that. In, in hindsight, now I know, you know, that I've been approached again and now I kind of know how that works, but you're just thrown in. You're really just thrown in. To that situation so i couldn't i couldn't prep too much did you have a good craft services table was there some fun snacks and stuff on oh my set? god yeah they fit i mean they fit, we shot on what was it sony studios which is an old mgm in the old queen latifah studios <laughs> <laughs> nice. um, yeah they took care of us i mean they had yeah they had food you know all day long and i mean it was it was food there was meat you know there was roast things there was fish there was um nice. they took care of us they definitely took care of us and we, we, we snuck again. booze, you know, we snuck a little bit of booze on the set, not gonna lie. Did you make some friendships while you were there? Did you make any good connections, you think? Oh, 100%. This is the thing, you know, they fly us out there and we were all in the hotel for um, a couple of days before. So, you know, we, we all, the first thing we did as a cast was went and had Mexican food um, and drank. And so it's like, you know, as you know, it's sitting around a table with strangers is one of the few activities that bonds people quickly, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, I mean, you know, you've done this at birthday parties or things like that where you're just thrown at this table. And food is such a unifying thing that 
I mean, we were already friends by the time we officially started filming, you know. That's and they tried to get us to say things about each other. We were like, we know these people. Like we'd go back to the hotel after after filming and, and have drinks in the lobby. Rudan, I feel like it speaks to how talented you are as a baker, chef, that you don't have like a very solid persona. Like I feel like a lot of these Food Network shows, they have like these little archetypes of like the edgy guy or the bad girl. She's in your face or she's wacky or whatever. And you're just like so chill and like you don't even want it. And they're like, here, take it. Be on our show. We love you. Well, that's one of the things. I mean, there was the archetypes there. There was like the, you know, the bad guy with the mohawk. There was a, a, a Mormon woman with purple hair, which already in itself is unusual, who had, I think, five kids. Three of them, I think, um, had some sort of, um, they're on the sp- a spectrum as far as, you know, uh, needing special attention and, and stuff. And then you had a female bodybuilder, you know, and like everybody fit in these sort of, roles and I was just like I just bake in my third floor walk up in Queens you know in the middle of the night like there's got to be a a more um, interesting character I don't know maybe I was the underdog who knows that's really cool man so we met you and I met at a restaurant in Times Square no free clout I'm not going to name names (laughs) good for you (laughs) but that was a really cool place to work such a busy restaurant like, do you have some fun server stories? I would love to hear some of your favorite server stories. Well, you know, out of all of the serving I did in the city, that was um, at times the worst clientele I've ever dealt with oh, yeah. um, in, in my life. So when I first started working there, it was a shock to me that we could get away with saying the things we did and providing the kind of service that we could and had to sometimes. Yeah. So that was the biggest shock about that but I loved you know on the flip side of that you know being in Times Square you got people from from all over the world and tourists so I always tried to remember that for them this is like the most exciting thing they're doing yeah Um, so I would have to put aside some of the you know coca leche and all of that stuff um yeah there's Karens of every race and country like there's rude Karens of everyone I think that was the only restaurant where I ever had to go to a manager and say, I can't, I can't wait on that table. You know, and I sort of pride myself on that because I, I mean, you know, my, I'm very straightforward and yes. <laughs> you know, I, I don't have like the most appealing demeanor, but I did like my job and I did understand what I was there for, but you know, like you get, I'm sure you did too. You get hugs at that place. Like people, you know, I get some families that come back every Christmas to, you know, come in there and eat and then go see the Christmas show. And Ultimately, like you said, it, it was a great place to work. I think that kitchen was one of the best kitchens I've ever worked at in my life as far as being able to put out the amount of food they yes. were able to put out to that amount of covers. I mean, that thing at times ran like a ship. You For know, sure. there were there were, you know, some not great things, but um yeah, that was definitely um and I think that's why it's it's survived for as long as it has. Yeah, I mean, it was it was like the third busiest restaurant in the country at certain times. Sometimes it was fourth yeah. or fifth. Uh, my favorite thing was just our coworkers. Like everyone there yeah. was such a character. Even if I didn't like the person, I genuinely <laughs> hated them. I loved them because they're just like so unique and interesting and just like everyone had dreams they were following or their dreams were dead and they were bitter. And it's just like such a really <laughs> cool, magical place, man. Like 
I look it at is. Um, anyone that's worked at a restaurant or 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 in the food service knows that it's like you're you're going to war together. So it's kind of like your family. It's like your comrades. I still, you know, to this day, I'm still in that group. You know, have some of those people are like who the fuck is this guy? Like, I didn't work with him. I was only there for I think two years. But yeah, 100% out of all of the restaurants I've worked at, that's probably the one where I'm still in touch with the most people um, because they were they were smart. You know, so everyone had their own little thing that they were doing outside of that. Yeah, that place was crazy. <laughs> it really was, man. Like I remember my first day ever because I literally when I moved to New York City. I got hired there the the second day I was in the city. So I, my second day in the city, I got oh, the wow. job. And I remember at pre-shift, the chef came up to give us the specials and I couldn't understand him because he had a very thick, like Spanglish accent. So I was like, oh my God, mm -hmm. I don't know these specials. And then my first three customers were all from Brazil. So they like spoke Portuguese, English. And I was just like, how am I going to survive in the Big Apple? I can't understand anyone, <laughs> my coworkers, my customers. But thankfully I figured That's it funny. out. Yeah. <laughs> Coco light. How long did you end up working there? Uh, five and a half years. I worked there my whole time in the city. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like even when I started making some money with upper feast, I probably could have quit, but I just stayed there. Cause like I have a lot of debt and whatever. I just kept working there. But yeah, five and a half years is I, towards the end, I was a jerk. Like I was a bad server. <laughs> like I would never smile. I just like, Hey, welcome to how can I help you today? Like, I would just like very like in this baby face, it's like a nice juxtaposition of like, Oh, he's so sweet and innocent that I'm like nasty. And it's like, I still got tips though. So I, I don't know. Well, it's that sweet ass smile, man. Yeah, dude. And I think too, like, and actually I heard a table say this one time, I was real sassy with this table. And the, the woman says to her husband, Ooh, a real New York experience. Like she thought it was like cute and fun. Like, Oh, this New York guy's an asshole. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, I was thinking today too. I was like, I mean, the thing about you, like you're so earnest and um, you're smart, you're funny, and you're earnest. And I was like, how could anybody not like him? You know? And I was like, and if they don't, they're an asshole. Dude, thank you so much. You're too kind, Rudy. <laughs> yeah, I'm being honest. You know, I won't lie. That's true. You're you're incredibly blunt. I pride myself on being blunt and honest, but I think you might be a little bit more blunt and honest than me. So tip my hat. Because I'm old and I just don't care anymore. So Rudy, I've had a great chat with you so far. I've asked you everything I wanted to ask, but if there's something you'd like to say or anything I didn't ask or talk about, I'd love to hear it. I can't think of anything. No, I'm just, I'm really glad you're doing this. Um, you know, there's a, a million things out there about food, but like I think I said earlier, it's one, it's like one of the things that unifies everyone, you know, and also to like getting people, I love the thing with, you know, feast or not feast. It's like getting people to try things that they might not have had before. You know, it's just, it opens your vocabulary about food and it's, it just gives you, I think, an end to so many other things. You know, it's not just food. It's not just food. Right. So, so I love this. I can't wait to, to see this and see the other ones. And like I said, I want you to be more famous than I think you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my, I, I, don't, I don't know if that's ever going to happen for me. I guess it'd be cool. Put it on the universe, man. <laughs> totally. Why not? All right, Rudy. Well, that's it, my man. Thank you so much for okay. doing the podcast. I hope you stay safe and uh, keep on baking and cooking and crushing it. Thanks so much. It was great to see you. Yep, man. Have a good one. Later, buddy.